Welcome to the Grounded in Wisdom podcast, where we dive deep into our personal stories that have transformed us and discover the unexpected journeys we take along the way. I'm your host, Annalyn Cruz, a dream life and leadership coach, space holder, and storyteller. I guide women and BIPOC leaders on their journey toward healing their inner critic, connecting to what they truly love, and confidently becoming the best version of themselves. In each episode, we'll explore the most challenging moments in life and the incredible stories of people who have emerged stronger and wiser. We'll uncover the hidden gems of wisdom, the profound lessons, and the extraordinary transformations that arose from adversity and the unexpected challenges that life throws our way. Whether you're facing a personal setback, searching for inspiration, or simply curious about the triumphs of the human spirit, this podcast is for you. So get ready to be inspired, uplifted, and empowered as we embark on this transformative journey together. Hey there, welcome back everybody. So happy you joined us here today. Well, it is my pleasure and honor to introduce our next guest. Jess Gardena is a leader in the talent, learning, leadership, and organizational effectiveness space. Most recently, Jeff built the learning and talent development function at Calendly, a fast-growing scheduling software startup. Born and raised in the San Francisco Bay Area, Jeff has lived many college students' dreams by working at both Taco Bell Corporate and Electronic Arts, the makers of Madden Football and many other popular video games. He currently lives in Laguna Beach, California, and Jeff is currently freelancing and doing volunteer work with the Taproot Foundation, Crankstart, and the Laguna Ocean Foundation. When he's not helping others achieve more than they think possible, you'll likely find Jeff running a half marathon or enjoying a craft beer with his friends. Jeff Scardino, welcome to the Grounded Wisdom podcast. Oh my God. Thank you, Annalyn. Thanks for having me. And uh, it's great to hear your voice. Yeah, of course. And, you know, you were... Definitely one of the first people I thought of, of who I wanted to bring onto this season's podcast, because you and I, my friend, have had many of these conversations back in the day when we were carpool buddies, (laughs) going from Oakland to Redwood City, and we spent many hours in the car talking about life including our rubble moments. I don't think we named it that back then, but I know that we've shared a lot with each other. And I just think, you know, you're definitely one of the people in my life who I have looked up to, not only professionally, but in my opinion, more importantly, someone that I've looked up to, like a big brother, like a human being who is just, you know, really moving through and navigating life with a lot of grace, with a lot of curiosity and, you know, ways in which you have really transformed like on different levels. And, you know, I'm so excited for the audience to meet you and get to know you a bit more and 
just hear from you and your wisdom that you could share with everybody today. So thank you for being here. Oh my God. Thanks for having me. And you're trying to get me all emotional and worked up already. Thank you so much for those (laughs) very, very, very kind and generous words. And yeah, we have, uh, you and I have definitely spent some miles together, miles and hours and had many, many great conversations about life, how we're navigating it, and, you know, personally, professionally, and really everything in between yeah. and that goes with it. So I'm super looking forward to having this kind of conversation with you. You know, we're not in a car and uh, have a little more focus. <laughs> I, won't, I don't have to worry about uh, not rear-ending anyone uh, on the San Mateo right. so. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm glad we could just be totally present for this conversation so you know as you know this season of the podcast i'm really focusing on um allowing folks the opportunity to really share a part of their hearts and a part of their own personal journeys as it relates to what i call their rubble moments right those times when life is just extra uber challenging in all sorts of different ways. Um, It often feels like our world has just come crashing down and we don't know how to come up for air and see any light ahead of us. So I know we've talked about this quite a bit in our carpool days, but I don't know if we've succinctly talked about it and got really to um, the heart of some of these moments for you. So I'm going to open up with that question, if you can share with us, you know, maybe a significant rubble moment or maybe moments in your life um, that's happened that has changed who you are today. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for that question. I think the, the word rubble, you know, really made me think long and hard as I was prepping for our conversation, because, you know, not to get totally cliche right at the outset of the call, but I think life is full of ups and downs, right? And we have a lot of those difficult moments. We have a lot of those celebratory moments. And so I really gravitated towards that word rubble, because for me, rubble is falling apart, right? It's like something that was solid, you know, a rock is what I think about. And, you know, rock turns to rubble once it's been shattered. And so for me, it was, okay, I've had a lot of ups, I've had a lot of downs, but where would I pinpoint a rubble? And there's a lot of irony in having this conversation right now, because my rubble moment was prompted by a life event. And that was the financial crisis back in 2008. And I was laid off. And so I'll get back to to that moment. But the irony is, um, and you know this, Annalyn, but about Six weeks ago, I was laid off again um, from a startup that that I had joined to turn help turn into a rocket ship, and you know that rocket ship fizzled. And um, I'm in a much different place now than I was in 2008, um, but I couldn't help um, have a little bit of that post traumatic stress of remembering my rubble moment and actually having a little fear come up. You know, of, oh my God, is is this going to happen again? Um, because it w- truly was my my rubble moment. And so it was 2008. Um, at that time, I was a regional sales manager for Wells Fargo, um, doing outside sales and underwriting for auto finance loans. Um, at that time, I'd probably been in the workforce 
close to 10 years, I guess. Um, going to age myself a little bit, but I'd already been in the workforce close to 10 years. I'd really set my sights on um, becoming a regional manager and having a team. And well, I got, I got that. And turns out I was miserable and I hated it. But I was also pretty young still and had reached a point where I didn't know what else to do and um, probably would not have left the job because I had financial security as well. And yeah. uh, at that point, the financial crisis hit full steam and Wells Fargo bought Wachovia Bank and overlapping business units were shut down and my business unit shut down. And so there I found myself at the beginning of what was you know, the worst financial crisis of, of my time um, happy to be being let go and laid off, um, which was kind of an interesting thing to, to explore. Uh, but that happiness def- definitely didn't last too long as I floundered and, and tried to find my way. Yeah. And what would you say was the biggest struggle while you were experiencing that? Cause you mentioned that you just were floundering, you were unhappy, but what exactly was was going on at that time that contributed to those feelings? Yeah, there, you know, there's a lot going on. I think probably on reflection, the biggest thing that was going on is like, I was just lost, right? Like I had zero direction on where I wanted to head. And so some of that just kind of part of my upbringing, if you will, or lack of kind of formal not formal, but just guidance from um, people who have been there, done that, right? So I'm a first in family to graduate college. Um, The direction that I received while growing up was you're going to go to college, you're going to get good grades, and you're going to get a good job. And that was really the drum that was beaten to me my whole life, right? Even beginning in elementary school and into junior high, I started taking my SAT in junior high, but like no SAT prep classes because we just didn't have the knowledge. My family didn't have the knowledge about what was available or what existed. And so yeah. all that, all that to say is like, I followed that drum, right? Because I, I wanted to be a good kid. And, you know, I knew that I wanted to be successful. I had no idea what that looked like at the time and so i went to college um i didn't get good grades but but i graduated (laughs) and uh found myself you know back at my parents house after leaving you know for five years going wow i don't want to live here very long i should probably find a job and you know so i could afford an apartment and that's when i got my first job and that was an enterprise rent a car um because i went to a job fair and just went over and started talking to the cute woman at the job fair table and <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know and, and that led me to my first job but it's not a job i aspired or you know anything right i just wanted a job um enterprise was great because that actually you know ties back into the work i'm doing nowadays but you know my first experience at corporate training um which was really cool and i did pretty well at enterprise for a couple of years and that's you know i kind of snuck into car sales from car rentals and you know that's how i got into auto finance but i had again no real direction on how to navigate my career and what what it even meant and so for me i was just kind of aiming for role and title and you know money potentially even though i really didn't have much of an idea of what that money looked like and so after 10 years of kind of chasing 
what I thought I was supposed to chase, I now found myself unemployed and completely lost on what I was supposed to go do next. But my heart of heart and my gut knew it had to be different than what I was doing. And so that was really the, the most valuable data that I had was, you know, anytime I thought, oh, well, let me just go get another job doing sales management. Like it physically pained me to, to fill out those applications and, and to go for those jobs. And so that was a very clear indicator to me that something wasn't right and that I needed to make some sort of change. I just had no idea what that change was going to be or even how to do it. Right. Oh, I want to go back to a couple of things that you mentioned. So you talked about being basically a first gen college student in your family, right? Being the first one to, yeah. to, to endeavor that. And you also talked about this idea that I think many of us are fed when we're young kids or growing up in a family, which is, hey, here's the happiness formula. You yes. go to school, you get good grades, you make friends, you graduate, you go on to college. Suddenly you'll magically know what your purpose is going to be in this world, if you even know what that is. And oftentimes folks do not. So they just kind of fall into a particular type of job post-college. And there's, it's this weird, interesting, like, again, formula, but we know none of those formulas work. And just because you have those things in your life doesn't mean that life will work out the way that have have our dream lives be possible (laughs) from those things that, you know, they say, just keep collecting those things in your pocket and all of a sudden you'll be happy. I've actually never heard it referred to as a formula, Annalyn, so you should go trademark that now because you're absolutely right, right? That's and, and maybe it's a generational thing, right? I'm a Gen Xer and my parents are boomers, so it'd be inter- probably interesting to explore yeah. um, some of the younger generations, like what formula they're being fed. But absolutely, in my generation, that was the formula. Um, and so thank you for introducing that kind of language uh, to me, the formula thinking. And it is, you're almost like, brainwash even though i like to think i was a pretty individual individual um but you are kind of just told like hey here's what you need to go and do and i aimlessly followed that said okay here's what i need to go do um but in retrospect right in hindsight which as we know is always 2020 yeah, it's like the biggest bullshit formula you can be fed. And, and I just, I don't think it's real, um, but we're, we're, yeah. we're, it's ingrained in us so early to believe that that's real and that's what happiness is. Um, and actually, I think, you know, there's been a few times as I've looked back at my rubble moment where I'm so happy that it happened to me when it did because I was able to, recognize the path that I was on was not being true to me and not who I wanted to be. And not that I knew who I wanted to be. I just knew that what I was doing and what I was becoming was not what I wanted to be. Not that I had a better alternative. Um, So I'm glad it actually happened. And so what I like to tell people is I'm currently in my second career and I will probably have a third. Um, And I don't know what that will be. 
Um, but, you know, 15 years ago, Jeff would have never thought, oh, I'll have multiple careers, right? Because I was told, go to school, get a job, right. stay at that job and retire. Yeah. Keep that steady job, right? Just do that one thing for 30 plus years. And yeah, yeah everything else works retire. out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Then you could be happy because then you're done with all the things that you were supposed to keep collecting, right? In the going back to the formula, it's like just keep collecting all the things that you're supposed to do and be. And, and then we find out that that's not the case, right? Yeah. And I think that's when we start to pressure test things, right? Uh, if we're a little rebellious or we want to push against kind of the norms, it's like, wait, really? Like, do I need to go do that? Like, do I want to be yeah. 63 before I'm able to say, okay, now I want to live and go have fun. Um, so I think there's been a zest for living in me um, ever since I was a kid. And I think that probably helped me push on some of those, you know, norms or frameworks or the formula and say, actually, no, I want to go have fun and live right now. Um, while I'm still young and able right. to go, go run around and do some crazy things, not go do crazy things when I'm reaching my sixties and I'm like, okay, I can finally go have fun and live now. Yeah. I hear you. I I've definitely been sitting with that over this past year, especially of what's this idea of truly being present to my life now and fully living now versus again, I think, some of us have been taught at an early age, like keep working hard now so that you can live for the future. Yes. All right. And while future planning is absolutely important and I'm not, not advocating for that, but I think there's something really beautiful about what's here right now, right? And how can we make changes now in our current life and situation in order to not have to wait till we're 60, 70, 80 years old, if we are even lucky enough to make it at that age, right? Totally, totally. I think that's one thing I've learned along the way as, as many people have, right? And again, sorry to drop two cliche comments so early, but you know, tomorrow's not guaranteed. And so what, what do we yeah. do today um, that fills our cup, that makes us feel good? Um, and, I, and I love what you said, but I also think for me that the staying present part, like what can I do today and, and enjoy the present is, as you're well aware, far easier said than done, right? Like it is so hard to just sit and enjoy the now. And, and that's something that I'm continuing to, to work on as part of my practice and, you know, catching my thoughts when they start to go astray and start to think about the what ifs and that what if is a year from now, like, whoa, Turbo, let's reel that back in and like <laughs> really, really just focus on what's happening right now today. And, you know, right. usually what I, usually what I find, not all the time, but usually what I find is, hey, right now, today, life's pretty freaking good. Like, enjoy it. <laughs> right. Right. So I want to also take us back a bit more to your rebel moment, if that's okay. Um, and, you know, along with the challenge of having been laid off and it was the financial crisis and Oh nine and just shit was hitting the fan for so many people at that time, professionally, I also know that in your own personal life, there was also some rubble moments happening there as well. And I'm wondering if you could share a little bit um, about that. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's it's interesting that you bring it up because I I was reflecting on it not quite a year ago, but I did a attitude of gratitude challenge last year in November, so yeah. almost a year ago. And the the challenge was to write a note to some to someone um, who helped you greatly on your journey that that you want to thank them for. And so I started thinking about yeah. my career, my career journey specifically versus my life journey, because a year ago I was riding high. I was you know, building my team at the startup and like, wow, how did I get here? Um, this is amazing. And so I was married, uh, previously married when I was laid off in 2008. And, um, you know, I would say that the piece of being laying off alone didn't immediately put strain on the relationship. Um, but certainly over over months and months it did. But, you know, I think one of the benefits I had was having a very supportive partner. Um, and so when I came downstairs and said, hey, I think I'm going to take some time off, and I was smiling, and she turned around and said, what are you talking about? And I'm like, actually, I think I'm going to take a few months off. And she's like, did you just get laid off? And I was like, I did. And I was so happy. And she was actually happy for me, right? There was no, oh, my God, what are we going to do? Like, of course, that came later. Um, but yeah. in the very, but in the, in the opening moments, right, she could feel my joy. I had joy because I knew I wouldn't have left that job and I would have just stayed there miserable. Um, I'd like to think that one day I would have pulled my head out and, and shifted, but I, I don't know that to be true. Um, and so that was great. Fast forward, right? Like tons of support, even um, helping me grow my network and introducing me to some, some people. Um, and that's all fine and dandy, but when you've got a partner, and now I'm talking about me, who's floundering, and lost and aimless and really struggling with themselves like I was, I would imagine, you know, people are affected by that. And so there certainly started to be strains in the relationship as well due to that. And, you know, there, there are moments I'm not proud of, right, that I can reflect on and go, wow, that I, I did that. And, you know, nothing crazy that I'm embarrassed about, but, you know, like days where she would come home from work and I'd, you know, still be in the same clothes I was wearing, didn't do any dishes, didn't clean the house, didn't, you know, prep dinner, just totally slacking on all the great partner things that I should have been doing. Um, You know, and that's when I was in, that's probably when I recognized uh, one, one specific day. Um, I recognized that I was in my most rubble, probably the bottom of the bottom when I finally said, okay, I really need to like shift out of this. And so um, the relationship, you know, struggled a bit. We went, we went to, to couples therapy for, I think, almost two years. And here's what's really interesting about this, Annalyn, like the marriage wasn't saved. Um, you know, we eventually agreed that it wasn't going to work out and to split up. And we went yeah. and told her, we went and told our therapist together and holding hands, right? And our therapist is like, I have been doing this for like 40 years and I've never in my life seen a couple come together, hold hands and tell me that they're ending their marriage and that they both feel good about it. And so while the relationship ultimately ended up not working out, like I grew so much. I mean, this is kind of selfishly, right? But I grew so much through that work. Um, so not only the work, not only the work of figuring myself out professionally, um, which 
I haven't talked about that, but I did finally figure myself out professionally. But the work I didn't even know I needed to do was the figuring out myself personally, right? And for me, that really came down to my emotions and being able to talk about it. I think I'm, you know, grew up in a very kind of stereotypical um, Gen X male, you know, environment where I didn't talk a lot about my feelings and they weren't talking a lot about in the household. And so it was like, go to your room and deal with it on your own. Um, great loving parents, by the way, we just didn't talk about emotions a lot. And so I had to learn, I had to learn that skill set, which was super difficult for someone who had never, you know, I knew, I knew happy and sad and angry were pretty much the extent of my emotional vocabulary as a, you know, 30 year old, if you will, um, which is a little crazy. (laughs) Yeah. Right. It's a little crazy to think about, but, um, going through that work, um, really helped me grow as a person. And I also really appreciate and am grateful for the support and the experience I had alongside of my now ex-wife, um, along the way. Yeah. You know, I gotta say, I think this is the first time I've heard that particular, piece of your story of you know the marriage ending and then just being really thoughtful and conscious and intentional of yes we're parting ways but we're going to do this in a way that is supportive of each other and is inconsistent or that is consistent with who we are as people and the care that we want to do for each other moving forward i just you know had this visual of you and your um, ex-partner just being able to be in that space together and still have maybe it was just a different type of love at that point or a different type of care than um, than what was happening prior but I just think that that's that's just something that is really beautiful to think about that even though the marriage transformed and and different ways and ended there was still some care and intentionality of how you chose to move through that space together. Yeah. Thanks for calling that out. Cause I think you're right. You know, there's a, a love still existed. It was a different kind of love. And I think we both just agreed right after, I think we were married seven years. Um, it doesn't have to be ugly, right. Or bitter. Mm-hmm. Um, it can still be graceful and we can still appreciate each other for you know what we brought to the table because we definitely both pushed each other and we both learned from each other and we both taught each other um and you can't take that away i think you can take that away or you can diminish it by lashing out and and, you know making the split be ugly but i think we both knew that's what we weren't about and how do we honor what we've had and, and appreciate what we've had while also knowing that we're going to go forward in a different life now. And so, yeah, yeah. I still have people do still kind of look at me crazy when I'm like, yeah, we figured out our, you know, the logistics of our divorce in about two hours. We, you know, just walked around the house. (laughs) Yeah. We divided some things, but okay, cool. Uh, So when are you going to move out by? Right. And we just figured it out. Wow. Yeah. I would say that's more of a rare occurrence. (laughs) (laughs) for sure for sure but that's amazing that you two were able to do that 
Um, you know, I want to go back to what you talked about there of, you mentioned that knowing in your gut and in your heart that what you were chasing wasn't actually the path that you should be chasing from here on out. And you talked about the, the physical pain of, of experiencing your decisions or what sort of what I call, right. Your inner compass of what's next. Oh, wait, my body and my soul and my spirit is telling me something different than perhaps what the formula um, was putting out there. Can you talk more about that? Because I think that's such wisdom that some folks are maybe not as familiar with in terms of being embodied in our own decision-making and knowing when to stop and listen to that. Yeah, you know, it it tripped me out, if I'm being totally honest, because I don't know that I knew what was going on at the time. It took me some time to to understand the visceral part and understand the physical part and, you know, the pit in my stomach to actually be able to listen to it instead of just associate it with, oh, I'm just, you know, not feeling good and, you know, I'm depressed right now or whatever I was feeling as I was rebelling. And so I didn't actually know what was going on. And I think I almost had to reprogram myself, if you will. And, and I wasn't able to do that by myself, but you know, I was, I was very black and white, you know, I was very, that, that left brain, black and white things need to logically make sense and, and line up. And I never yeah. considered myself very intuitive. Um, one of the first things I did while I was unemployed was start to just explore things. And I kind of do that now um, as I'm, learning about tide pools so that I can volunteer uh, for the Laguna Ocean Foundation. I'm like, let me just find things I can learn and tinker with to keep me busy that are that are interesting. And one of the things that I came across again, um, due to my ex-wife introducing me to, to this concept was this color personality indicator. And so if you think about Myers-Briggs, if you think about DISC, right, it kind of mm-hmm. sits adjacent with those. And it, um, I think it was called the right burger personality indicator. And I was like, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to go do a certification for that because at the time I was like, I think I'm going to be a consultant, you know, maybe I'll go consult to other businesses and I'll do coaching and maybe I'll do this personality thing. And going through that certification helped me better understand kind of left brain, right brain, et cetera, the logic and who I was. And I forget what I first tested out as, Oh no, I first tested out as red, which was full logic. And as I was oh, like, deep, and as I was debriefing with the coach and kind of going down it, I'm like, that doesn't resonate. Like, yes. And I guess is where I was at. Like, yes, I do use logic. I'm like, but, but the, the description of red is not resonating with me. And so I took it again, maybe like four or five months later with a little more coaching. And again, I might get the colors wrong because it's been a while, but I think I tested out as like a yellow with red being my secondary. And then as I started to explore that, yellow was kind of that you use your left brain and your right brain. So it's like you think about, you explore possibilities, um, you line things up logically to make sense, but then you dip over into the intuition and do a gut check. And so yeah. I, I really learned a lot about myself there. I'm like, okay, that starts to resonate because black and white does make sense for me. I know that I, I create checklists. I, you know, things are very tangible, black and white and easy to see. It's like, okay, I've lined up all the facts. I've looked at all the data. 
But before I make a decision based on that black and white data, I'm going to go do a gut check. And that helped me understand the kind of intuitive piece of me and to really understand that, oh, no, like I actually do use my gut and my intuition and and my the visceral part of my body to help me make decisions. And so that for me was super enlightening to, you know, I mean, I've used that every day almost from the time I learned it. Right. It's like, oh, something's going on in my gut. Like, pay attention, Jeff. Um, don't just look at what's black and white, like try to pay attention, right. bro- broaden your, your aperture to understand what's going on at more than just what you can see here um, and think like, what do you feel? What What's kind of the unsaid stuff that's going on? And um, I still use that today. And, you know, sometimes it fails me and, and sometimes it works really well. And sometimes I make decisions against my gut and intuition because I know that the risk versus reward is worth it. And, you know, I think one example is that yeah. is uh, what brought me down here to Southern California um, to take a job that, you know, logically lined up, made my gut turn a little bit, made me uncomfortable, but also I made a decision to lean into that discomfort because I wanted to grow. And so I chased the discomfort, even though my gut told me, hey, this is not all what it seems to be. Um, and my gut was right, but I don't regret taking the risk because again, once I mapped everything black and white, listened to my gut, made an informed decision that said, yep, it's a little scary. Gut's telling you to look out, but go do it anyways. Cause you're going to learn and grow so much through this, um, challenge. Mm-hmm. And, and it definitely worked out that way. Yeah. That I loved how you explained how you got to the gut check and sort of your process throughout that because I know sometimes I'll hear clients or just friends of mine say well how do you check in with your intuition like how is that even possible I don't even know what that feels like and so I just appreciate what you just shared in terms of your own process and kind of making sense of both that left and right brain and and how both are important and come to play in making pretty big life decisions for sure. Yeah, I don't know if it's helpful, but what I tell people and what I tell myself uh, when I catch myself is like, you know, get out of your head. That's where you start, right? Because if, yeah. if you if you don't know what it's like, it's because you're in your head. And so mm-hmm. it's like, try, it's like, get out of your head and try to get into your body. Like, what, what does that tell you? Um, again, right. way easier said than done, but I certainly had to learn that. And um, still to this day, right? It's just like yoga. They call it a practice. And I still have to practice because it's not like... Once I said, oh, I I get it now. It's not like I just do it with my eyes closed. I still need to pause, slow down, listen to the logic, check in with the gut and be really intentional about it. Yeah. What you just said about the practice, it reminds me of um, an old yoga teacher, Ashley Sharp. If you're hearing this, I'm talking about you. (laughs) And I took this uh, from Ashley, which was, this is about the practice, not the perfect. And that always stuck with me because even as we move through different seasons of our life and have learned all these lessons from our rubble moments, it's still a practice, right? We're we're never going to get this thing called life perfectly. There's just no way that that's going to happen unless we reach Nirvana, which is not going to happen in this body for me. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It's like, yeah, I'm not going to transcend in this body. However, 
I think the point that I'm trying to make is, man, we're all just trying to figure this shit out, right? Like, yes. we're just trying to move through the best that we can with integrity, with our values in check, you know, getting the support we need. And it's just, oof, man, things are just all over the place sometimes, it can feel like. Yeah, I mean, I think I love what you honed in on there, too, because trying to have life be perfect like i think we all know is not really possible it's not a reality it's also really freaking exhausting to try and do everything yeah. perfect and right. um, i'd rather have some of that energy right and you know that energy allows me to try and be the best version of myself on any given day and sometimes the best version of myself is a piece of shit that I'm not too happy with. And I'm like, wow, I didn't do anything today, but that was the best I could be today. And tomorrow I'll try and do more and try and be better. And I, I think for me, it's the drive to, to do better versus be perfect. Jeff. So we talked quite a bit about your rebel moments back in 09 and for the next couple of years. And I know after knowing you all these years that you were able to get out of that rubble and more into the light and sift through everything that had crumbled around you. And I'm curious, you know, as that started happening, what changed for you? Like, what did you start noticing in your life? Some big and, you know, smaller shifts that were happening within and around yourself? Wow. That's a really good question. I think a lot was happening around myself at that time, but I think probably the, the biggest shift, I know you asked for some of the small ones, but I think the biggest shift was to be more open to being vulnerable um, I think that was, and continues to be, uh, really difficult for me. I mean, I think you might, you might be raising an eyebrow, right? Eyebrow right now, because I think I'm, <laughs> I can be quite vulnerable when it comes to conversations with, um, people that I know and love and feel safe with. Um, but I think where I harden a bit is when it comes to me being not good enough. Um, so I, th so I think I can be vulnerable with like, you know, my feelings and my emotions and whatnot, a lot more easier now for sure than, than back then. But, um, I think you and I had talked about imposter syndrome a little bit, um, in the past. Well, I know we have in the past, yeah. um, but I think part of breaking down the barrier for me was eating a big old piece of humble pie, um, you know, and just being okay with not knowing um, what or how to do things. And so I often think of Pulp Fiction, which is an old favorite. Maybe I'll need to go rewatch it. It's been a while. But I think about the scene where Ving, I think it's Ving Rhames' character is talking to Bruce Willis's character right before the boxing match that they were going to fix. And he's like, you know, at some point in there, something's going to creep in and tell you to not, you know, throw the fight. And he says, that's pride. 
fuck pride. And he's basically trying to get him to, you know, swallow your pride and throw the fight. Like we said, um, and I do have a lot of pride and I know I get that from my dad. My dad's a very prideful person. And I also am proud of my abilities and the effect and the fact that I've been able to figure out a lot of things on my own without a whole lot of direction or help. And that actually wasn't going to do me any good as I was in my rubble moment, right? Like I had gotten myself into the rubble moment. And so yeah. just rely, just relying on and depending on myself to get out of it would not have been a successful course of action. I mean, who knows, maybe I would have made it out, but it probably would have been a different outcome. And so I think for me to be able to lower my shield, if you will, and, and be really vulnerable to my support group, right? My family, my friends. Um, and at that time I was meeting a lot of new people um, because I was networking, something I'd never really had to do uh, before as well. But to be able to just be vulnerable and say things like, I don't know what I wanna do. I don't know how I'm gonna get there. I don't know what to do next. Um, or even to ask, right? Those are all about like me acknowledging what I can't do and being vulnerable, but also just being vulnerable to ask for the help. Like, can you help me? Yeah. Will you meet? Will you meet with me next week to talk about X, Y, or Z? Um, and because once I got over myself, if you will, um, it actually unlocked so much in terms of allowing other people to help me. And I still, to this day, struggle with asking for help. But I think if I did not ask for help during my greatest time of need for help, um, I have a hard time seeing how I would have come out of the rubble in the way I did. So once I swallowed my pride and was able to just say, hey, actually, I'm struggling over here and I'm floundering and I'm trying to figure it out. It's amazing how helpful people mm -hmm. are, right? <laughs> you yes. like and see, and how, how helpful people want to be. Um, yeah. And so I think for me, when I started to let other people in that were outside of kind of my inner group, if you will, my inner circle of people that I felt safe around, that I trusted, once I started to expand that to, to really open myself up to others that I may not know that well, um, the support was there, the help was there, the, you know, people were there to say, yes, I, I'd be happy to help you. And actually the way I first got into my new line of work was through a consultant that my ex-wife had introduced me to because this consultant was doing training and developing work at, mm -hmm. at her company and said, Hey, there's, we just hired a consultant to do this kind of work. And I think this is the work you've said you want to do why don't I get, give you her name and number, right? And so for me to reach out to someone I didn't know at all um, who was doing work that I wanted to be doing in a field that I wanted to get in, for me, that took a ton of bravery. Um, it probably it sounds ridiculous now. It sounds a little ridiculous just saying it because uh, I don't think I would think twice about it today. But back then, it took a ton of bravery to go, hey, I know you don't know me, but I got yeah. your name. I got your name from so and so, and I understand you do this kind of work. And you know, I'd love to just have lunch with you. And so that meeting turned into a friendship, right? And I actually 
Uh, Lisa Clayton brought me under her wing. She was a sole proprietor of a small boutique consulting uh, firm that she owned, and I did pro bono work for her. Um, mm. And so she brought me under her wing and allowed me to facilitate training classes, allowed me to help provide input on design work and allowed me to start doing some of the instructional design work on other programs. And, you know, like I got paid not in money, but I got paid, you know, like I got paid in knowledge and experience. And um, I also earned a lifelong friend and really one of my first ever kind of formal mentors as well. So that's just one, one example of what shifted for me. Sorry. I think I babbled, but no, a lot of it, <laughs> a lot of it was dealing with myself, right. And my own demons, if you will, and opening up my own vulnerability and, and pulling down some of that shell um, and just being kind of a more softer human that I know I could be, but I just wasn't really well practiced at it. Yeah, no, you didn't babble at all. And what I, here's what I appreciated about what you shared was this practice of, you know, you, you named it getting over myself, right? Like I had to get over myself in order to allow others to help me when I was struggling beyond your inner circle that you felt comfortable and safe with doing, but it was getting outside of that circle to then say, Hey, I'm going to be brave and ask for help in different ways. Cause I know that I need support outside of, my normal go-to people right yeah and yeah. and there's something so powerful about that because then you met lisa who then took a chance on you to help mentor and take you under her wing and was able to you know provide not only a space for you to practice this new learning and development thing right like this skill set but also really show you within yourself of like, Hey, I'm actually capable of doing this. I could do this. Right. It's that belief that someone else has, um, in you or in ourselves when someone can recognize like, no, I see the talent in you. I know what you're capable of when they can champion you in a way that you can't see within yourself. Like, that's so powerful to have. I love that. I'm not even sure if I ever, piece it together like that so you, you articulated what i tried to lay down much more concisely and i feel like i need to call lisa and thank her but yeah you know her belief yeah. in me so not only the willingness to help but almost like validating my proof of concept right like yeah, yeah you, you can do this right? <laughs> you could you could actually do this thing you're setting out to go and do well, and, and here's the other thing, Jeff, that I want to tell you, and I know I've shared bits and pieces of this with you over the years, but that's what you did for me when I started, when we started working together, because I was in this imposter syndrome. I don't belong here. I'm really struggling with this new corporate job, right? Like, I don't know if I have the skill set or what it takes to be successful. And you did that for me, right? Like you were that person for me of someone that I can confide in and feel safe with. And I, I had to be vulnerable as fuck to you. And to be like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing right now. And I need to, I don't know, maybe I don't belong here. And you held that space so beautifully for me to say like, no, you got this. Right. And I know that you are struggling and I was there too. Right. So even just hearing that from someone who, 
you know, I was viewing you at the time of like, Jeff has all his shit together. He has good relationships <laughs> with people at the company and like, he knows what he's doing. So even for you to share that with me of like, no, I've been where you're at was just like, whew, I could exhale and yeah. I didn't feel so alone in my struggle. Thanks for sharing that with me, Annalyn. That means a lot and uh, definitely just helped create our friendship and bond that we have, which is so meaningful for me. So thanks for, for sharing that with me. Yeah, of course. So, you know, I'll end with a couple of questions. One being, you know, is there any wisdom that you would share with others who may be struggling with something similar? So as you described your rubble moments of, you know, finding more of your own purpose or your career path that wasn't so clear or if they may be struggling in their relationship or partnership and just feels like, oh, what the hell am I doing right now? What, you know, what wisdom do you want to impart for those folks who um, may be really feeling into your story right now? You know, I don't know that I'm too whimsical, but I'll try to have some wisdom. Um, I think, you know, at the risk of being cliche again, you know, it's like the cliche, a lot of the cliches are true. And it's like, that's why I kind of lean into cliches. I think my old team was uh, really looked forward to my cliche of the day. Um, <laughs> but I think like, you know, going easy on yourself is my first cliche. Like you have to go easy on yourself. We, you know, most people that I know, including myself, we are our own worst enemies, right? It's that self-talk. Um, and we all have it. Or again, I don't know that we all have it, but I suspect we all have it. Yeah, and, we do. Um, like you've got to catch that, right? Like it's going to happen. You're going to have some negative self-talk. You're going to beat yourself up a little bit. Um, I am the king of beating myself up when something doesn't go the way I wanted it to go and then trying to figure out what I could have done differently to make it go better next time, right? But it's like, um, you'll remember this. I don't remember who invented this saying, but I know where I first heard it. That was Jane Minaghi, and you're my old boss at, at EA, right? And mm -hmm. anytime, anytime I'd be really stressed, she would say something to the effect of, relax. We make video games. There's no one on an operating table in front of us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, that was very grounding, right? Because, like, oh, yeah, the, there's literally no one's life on the line right now. Uh, we, we're just trying to create a manager development program, right? Um, right. I, mean, I mean, that's just one example, right? But I think in almost any given circumstance when we start feeling that anxiety bug creep in or we start getting concerned or worried that we might not – deliver or do good enough or, or whatever that negative self-talk is that I believe you called the gremlin, right? Whenever that gremlin mm -hmm. starts to, to come up, like we've got to catch it. You, you've got to catch the gremlin and reframe and, and redirect those thoughts. And so that's my first is go easy on yourself. And again, fully aware that's easier said than done. Um, and that is a continued practice. It's not like just one day you wake up and you're just kind to yourself from that day forward. Um, if that happens, awesome. Give me a call. I'd love to learn that skill as well. <laughs> me too. Uh, me too. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, we all, we all have those gremlins and I think it's a co constant practice to keep them at bay. Um, another thing kind of related to going easy on yourself, life is freaking hard. And anyone that tells you otherwise is lying. 
Um, and there are a lot of good actors and, and people that we admire from afar that think they have all their shit together. And, you know, I, I hope they do. Um, but logic and experience tells me most people are struggling with very similar things that we are. Um, there may be different contexts or different specifics or nuances, but we all tend to struggle with very similar things. And life is really freaking hard. And I think for me, being able to acknowledge that in the moments where life is really hard actually helps create some ease for me to know that I can get through it, right? Like this is temporary. This is just a, a moment a moment of pain. This too shall pass. Um, and I think another, I mean, there's more, but I just in the spirit of time, I think um, you have to believe in yourself. And I think that's one thing of the many things that I really appreciate, you know, my family upbringing for is, you know, my parents instilled in me a belief that I could do whatever I set out to do. And I have always carried that belief with me. Um, even in those tough times, like, sure, sometimes it may like fade beyond the horizon for a little bit while I struggle with my internal gremlins. But like it always rises again and I'm always able to see that belief and go, that's right, Jeff, you can, you can do anything. Because I think if you believe it could happen, then you're on your way to making it happen. But if, if you don't believe you can make it happen, then you're already setting yourself up towards yeah. failure because you're already seeing that failure and you're already manifesting it. And so I was I, just going to say, <laughs> you <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah. I, I yes. do believe you can. You have to see what you want in order to take the steps and actions to make it happen. I don't believe you can just set a vision and then just you know go goof off and do whatever you want and have that vision come true. Um, but I believe you need to see it, believe it's possible, and start to create those steps to actually get it. And so I think what I've said so far are really about like individual, right? Like go easy on yourself, recognize that life's hard. Um, you know, have great positive self-talk and, and believe in yourself. Those are all like individual. I also think there's something like one of my biggest takeaways that we've already touched on. Um, again, easier said than done. Ask for help. Seek help from others. Um, expand your group past those that you rely on, those automatic people that you go to. Like, yes, cherish them, love them, um, lean on them. But how do you expand um, those people. And again, I think that takes some bravery and, uh, you know, admittedly, I think I come across as uh, an extrovert. I'm sure you would agree. I come across as an extrovert. Um, I think all the tests tell me I'm an extrovert, but I, I secretly am an introvert, like going and networking, like that takes effort for me. Um, it's not something I necessarily quote unquote enjoy doing because I think it's not a lie that it's harder to meet people as you get older and it just becomes more uncomfortable. Um, but like you've got to push those kind of discomforts aside and start to grow and expand and, and ask for help and, and network and, you know, meet amazing people like Anna Lynn and um, meet a, other amazing people that may only be in your life for a moment, but you still have that moment that you never forget with them or how they helped you or how you helped them. Beautiful. Love it. And I have to say, I just, you know, when you were talking about expanding your inner circle and asking for help outside of your inner group, I couldn't agree with you more because I have to say, especially during the pandemic, 
I made so many good friends in those in those moments because I think I was less fearful about how to show up. You know, mm-hmm. I, I was just being my authentic self with these folks who were newer to my life and telling them, you know, here's what I'm being challenged by. Here are my struggles. What are you struggling with? And then that created that trust because we were just laying it all on the table, right? And just yeah. being ourselves and and getting to that vulnerability piece. So I also just wanted to say that, that it's interesting when we allow ourselves to go there, especially with folks who are newer to us, like what sort of magic and relationship building can happen from that place. Yep, totally. And because you let them in, right? And so letting someone in is is one of the easiest ways to start building that connection. And I think, you know, one thing I'll say though, because I, I know for me, one of of my pet peeves is when people talk about, Oh, all you need to do is this. It's super easy, right? Well, it's not, it's super hard. Everything we're talking about is hard, Mm -hmm. Um, but it can be done. And, you know, for me, one of the things I did to enable myself to do this more was therapy. Right. And I know that's not always accessible, um to to everyone but just wanted to share that like that's work that i had to do and one of the one of the methods i did to do that work is to go actually to counseling right and talk to someone to actually help me practice that skill and help me get vulnerable and work through some of the the things i might have been bearing and again recognize that that may not always be an option um, or an accessible option but um i think i just goes without, you know, it it needs to be said that to practice getting better at any of the things that we've talked about, you you need to, or or I highly recommend finding a method or a way to practice versus, oh yeah, I just need to be more vulnerable, right? Like if that works for you, awesome. Um, But but if there's a skill you want to develop, particularly a more difficult one, um, try to find a, a way to actually develop it. And again, it doesn't always have to be therapy. It could be a online course or just a conversation or a book, but um, you know, we have to practice these things that, that we want to improve on and particularly those areas that are more difficult. Um, a little help goes a long way. 110%. Thank you for sharing that for sure. And I'm a big proponent of therapy and counseling and getting professional help um, when possible. Absolutely. Okay. Last question, Jeff, where can folks find you if they want to get in touch or they want to say hi and they appreciate what you have to say? Maybe there's some opportunities for you. I don't know. You know? (laughs) Yeah. I I love, I love that. Yeah. I'm kicking off uh, the taproot crank start project next week's pro bono work. Super excited. Um, if you're looking for me, I'll be down at the Tide Pools doing Tide Pool education. Um, I don't do a whole lot of social media. I think that's been great for my mentals, uh, but I am at Mind of Jeff on Instagram. I've probably made like three posts all year this year. And then LinkedIn, uh, Jeff Scardina is my profile. And I would love to connect with anyone as I grow my network and happy to, you know, I am happiest when I'm helping people achieve more than they think they can. And so, one thing that I often do is share my Calendly link to schedule time with folks. If anyone wants to have a 
coaching conversation or just any conversation really um, as they navigate their careers. I like to make myself available for that. It's kind of my way to pay it forward. And it really fills my heart and soul to help the younger generation and help folks that are earlier career figure out um, how to navigate that because I didn't have anyone helping me as I was doing it early on. Um, so that's absolutely always something I'd be open to as well. But LinkedIn and Instagram is where you'll find me. If you want to shoot me an email, it's jeffscardina at gmail.com. Amazing. Thank you. And don't sleep on that offer, y'all. You heard it from Jeff himself. So if you are curious to learn more about his knowledge, his wisdom, anything that he could share with y'all, I mean, you heard it right here. So don't sleep on that offer. (laughs) Make sure you see your roots out. All right. Well, thank you so much, my friend. I super appreciate this conversation and spending time with you and taking time out of your schedule to chat with me and the rest of the listeners. So I hope you have thank a good you. rest of your day. Thank oh, you. thank you, Annalyn. I can't wait to see you soon. I'll be up in the Bay soon. And I'll give you a call. Thanks so Amazing. much for the conversation today. All right. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Grounded in Wisdom. I hope you found inspiration and courage and a renewed sense of possibility through the incredible stories that were shared here today. Remember, your journey is filled with tons of potential and the ability to move through life's challenges that come your way. If you enjoyed this episode and want to continue exploring the power of personal stories, Be sure to subscribe to our podcast, and I would love it if you could leave a review. Your feedback means so much to me and the rest of the team, and it helps us really reach more people who could benefit from these transformative conversations. And finally, remember that your story matters. You have the strength within yourself to move through and even overcome life's biggest challenges. You could even heal your inner critic and learn to become the best version of yourself. Trust in your journey and keep shining the light within yourself to the rest of the world. This has been the Grounded in Wisdom podcast with your host, Annalyn Cruz. If you're ready to take your own journey of self-discovery and transformation to the next level, feel free to visit my website at groundedinwisdom.co to learn more about my coaching and facilitation offerings that I provide the community. Thanks so much and have a beautiful rest of your day and night.